0: Joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today is Amberly Lago, all the way from Dallas, Texas. Amberly, thank you so much for joining Christian and I on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast today. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Well, I am excited to be here. Thank y'all so much for having me.
0: Well, we're uh, Christian and I are super excited to, to have you here and. Um, I know Christian's in an extremely happy mood and I'm fighting <laughs> off a cold, so I sound more like Clint Eastwood than I normally do, but, uh, it should be a good mix. So we should have a fun convo, but, uh, I thought maybe we could start off with you sharing a bit of your incredible story. Um, I mean, everyone who follows you knows what an incredible, uh, author, uh, podcast host, and just a, a tremendous speaker that you are. Um, and you know, as your background shows their true grit and grace, I'm wondering if you could just en- en- enlighten our, our audience to share a little bit about your story.
1: Yeah. well, it's it's taken and still takes a lot of grit and grace for sure um yeah i had a successful fitness business i was in the fitness industry for 26 years sponsored by nike doing infomercials like i was on vitamin labels and shape magazine i was i thought oh my goodness i've finally made it i'm living the california life i was you know that's back when i was um living in california and everything changed in the blink of an eye. I was coming home from work on my Harley and just cruising down Ventura Boulevard when an SUV shot out of a parking lot. Um, I didn't really have time to do anything but try to jump off my bike, um, and I was thrown thirty feet and sliding across the asphalt. And when I finally came to a stop, I re- I looked down at my leg and I felt it's kind of crazy to look down. And see a body part just completely broken into pieces, there was blood everywhere. I didn't know it at the time, but my femoral artery was severed. so thankfully, there was a guy who ran over, took his belt off, and made a tourniquet around my leg right away. so he he pretty much saved my life. Um, paramedics were right down the street. They heard the accident, so they came running towards me before they even got the nine one one call and They Everybody finally got there. My husband got to the scene. I was only about two miles from home. My husband gets there. He's a first responder. He's a lieutenant commander with a highway patrol. And when we got to the ER, I had never seen my husband cry. He's a big, tough guy. And he was hysterical. And I could just hear him because I'm taped to the gurney. And at that moment, I thought, oh, my goodness, I may not live through this, and I need to know my husband's going to be able to pull it together for our two kids. And so I screamed across the emergency room. I was like, "Honey, I need you to get over here and be strong for me." And the whole ER went like dead silent. And he came over and he held my hand. And that's the last thing I remember before I had um, this nurse that I'm still friends with to this day. Her name's Shaniqua, and she leaned over. Me and she said, you know, Amber, we're going to give you something to make you feel all better now. And that's the last thing I remember before waking up from a coma. And um, the first thing I learned was they said, I'm sorry, your leg is like a war wound, and there's nothing we can do for you. We're gonna have to amputate. You only have a 1% chance of saving it, and it would be just you'd be better off to amputate. And in that moment, all I could think about was. Well, you said there's a 1% chance. So then you're saying there's a chance, and we need to find a doctor who's willing to take that chance with me. And let me tell you, that took an act of God to get me transferred to another hospital. A lot of pulling, you know, strings and favors and praying. And when I say grit, a lot of grit. And it took 34 surgeries, months in the hospital, and, um, thousands of hours of excruciating physical therapy but they saved my leg and then the real journey began because i was then diagnosed with a nerve disease called complex regional pain syndrome as a result of the accident it's caused by trauma and it's when your sympathetic nervous system is all out of whack so it causes a constant loop of of nerve pain and You know, I've had every kind of treatment and they say that it's incurable. I think that, you know, I say it, maybe it's not incurable yet. Um, But pain has been my biggest teacher. And I just, you know, want to share that, you know, some people might be going, Oh, I can't relate. I've never been hit by a car. And I pray no one ever has to experience that or be in a coma or any of that. But I think that we have all been hit by something in the last couple of years, whether it's our health our finances, our relationships, our jobs, whatever it may be. And what I have learned in the past, you know, since 12 years is that there are absolutely ways to get through adversity. There are ways to thrive through challenges and make it through change and have the life you've always imagined, even when things don't go as planned.
0: That's one of the most uh, impactful opening statements we've had by a guest ever Amberly. And here I was thinking I had a bad morning cause my panini press didn't work, but, uh, <laughs> that was, that's just incredible. Wow. Wow. Now I can imagine that you racked up some, uh, medical costs in this, uh, Amberly, how did you overcome these things and re- reclaim your life and, and get your career to where it is today?
1: Yeah. Thank you for asking that because, you know, uh, I learned so much from being in the hospital. First of all, my husband and I had separate bank accounts and I was the main breadwinner and now I'm out of work. He could not access the money to pay the bills when I was in a coma. So that's the first thing we learned is hey, we need to get, you know, our finances together. We need to so that was a lot that we learned. And when I was in the hospital, we also didn't know to ask questions like, oh, excuse me, are you in my network? I had a pulmonary doctor that would come every day and just listen to my breathing. And it was $300 every day for like a one second. Che- I mean, it was a quick checkup. And um, so when I, by the time I got out of the hospital, I mean, I actually, I can still see out my window here. I have a wind chime that's made out of broken pieces of titanium that they had to take out of my leg. I broke pieces of titanium after they repaired my leg. And I have a wind chime. That wind chime, I demanded the pathology department. I was like, I need that hardware you took out of my leg. It was $62,000 worth of hardware. And so I look at that wind chime and when I hear it, it reminds me of all I've overcome. And I'm like, and also that's a $62,000 wind chime. But when I got out of the hospital, we had $2.9 million worth of medical expenses. We also had a lien on our house and I didn't know how or when I was going to get back to work. Now I had several trainers that worked with me, but the way I had my contracts structured with them, that after so many sessions um, that they trained clients, those clients eventually became theirs. So. Time was running out, money was running out, my clients were, you know, starting to go with other trainers, and I had to figure stuff, I had to figure it out quick. And um luckily my husband kept his job. Uh the California Highway Patrol let him take 3 months off. He took months off of work just to be able to take care of me. I was in a hospital bed, using a bedpan in the middle of our living room for months and months. And didn't get back to work um, for another year and a half after the accident. And I really tried to get back to training and that didn't work. So I was like, okay, well, what can I do? What brings me joy? And that's how I was like, okay, I've been in the fitness industry for 26 years on my feet training. Now maybe I can still work with clients one-on-one, but not on my feet. And that's how I got into mindset coaching and that sort of thing. And then I got into speaking and then I had this bright idea of writing a book despite everybody saying, you're crazy, you don't even own a computer. Because y'all, six years ago, I didn't even own a computer. Um, And I hand wrote most of my book, like 90% of my book, Then bought a computer, typed it up. And so I share those things um, because it did take time. It wasn't an instant fix. We were able to negotiate medical bills with Blue Cross and and reduce those payments. We got the lien um, paid off. We didn't have to, we got to keep our house. Um, but we went through all of our savings. And when, as soon as I was able to get back to work, I was working as much as I could seven days a week when I could And uh, I I share those things because, you know, we all struggle. And if we just keep thinking, okay, well, what, where's a way around it? What can I do? How can I negotiate? Well, um, you know, I could have just given up and been like, well, I can't be a fitness trainer anymore. I'm just going to sit in bed and feel sorry for myself. I think that having a purpose is what pulls you out of self-pity. It's what pulls you out of despair. It did for me anyway. And and in that time when I was struggling, I was still trying to be of service any way I could. I would when, even when I was in the hospital, I was making phone calls to clients. I was setting up nutrition plans for clients. I even had the nurses when they found out I was a fitness trainer coming into my room and asking me exercise tips on like, well, how do I get a better booty? And or they had a chair that the nurses would come and kind of hide out in my room and sit in the back corner and kind of pull the curtain and sit and just you know unwind and tell me all their problems and I would listen and give them advice and and so that made me feel like I had I was moving in the right direction that um, I had some purpose and I think at that time that I needed my clients more than they needed me because I did need a reason to keep going and to get out of bed. And so slowly but surely, um, not only did we get, you know, get to keep our house. I, I was just in tears of gratitude about uh, four months ago, because we moved to Dallas and we found this house that we're in now, and it's like it's like a dream house. And I sat in a swing outside with my 15 year old daughter, and I looked around and I said, "Look." At this, I was able to provide for my family. And I think that your hard work puts you where your blessings can find you. So don't give up. Focus on what you can do and keep moving forward inch by inch, step by step, one day at a time. And it does get better.
0: That's amazing, Amberly. That's, I-, I wanted to the, um, uh, ask Amberly, like, you know, you're talking about grit and grace, you know, for a- anyone who's going through despair or. Difficulties, you know, however long that they are, um, wondering if you could talk to us about how important it is to not to to have both, not just the grit but also the grace, you know, and maybe because we can definitely hear the the grittiness of, of your story, but I'm wondering if you can expand on what what grace looks like. How can you express grace during during times of despair?
1: Oh, that is such a good question. Well, when I wrote my book True Grit and Grace, um, I actually got the title because um, I was, my daughter's a horseback rider, and uh, I had posted a picture that it took two years for the non-union. So my leg was broken and there was like one spot that it took two years for those bones to finally grow together. And I was worried they were gonna take a like bone from my hip and have to do another surgery. So I was doing everything to try to get that bone to grow together. And the day I found out it finally grew back together, I posted it on Instagram and I walked up to the barn and this one lady, one of the other moms said, wow, Amberly, I had no idea. That's what your x-ray, your leg looked like. She goes, you have true grit and grace. And I was like, thank you. Can I name my book that? And she's like, you're welcome. So that's where the name came from. But the grit, yes, it is like it's taken a lot of grit to keep going, to keep moving forward. And that's where your passion and your perseverance come into play. Um, But the grace was God's grace. Uh, The grace is the grace that I've learned to give myself. And, and the real difference is like, I, 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 there's not many things that I can say I'm good at really, but I can say I'm really good at the grit. Like I can work hard. I've never been the most talented. I've never been the best looking. I've never been, you know, had the most money, but man, I can work hard. But what I have learned, and this may be the most important thing that I could say is grit without connection is resistance. It's hitting rock bottom or roadblocks or burning out feeling like you are having to claw your way to the top or like you're in quicksand but grit with connection and with grace that's where you find true resilience that's where you that's where the magic is and what i learned is you know i was trying to do everything on my own i had this suck it up mentality in fact i kind of prodded myself that i was like i've got a phd and suck it up and I can just keep going and working hard and what I learned is that that's not we're not meant to do hard things alone. Um we are wired for connection. And the most important thing I can say is if you're struggling, ask for help. That saved my life. I got to a point where, you know, I was just gritting it out and I wasn't um, asking God for help. I wasn't asking anybody for help. I was trying to hide my pain. I was trying to hide the shame of now what I looked like with all my scars and the deformed leg. And I had I, I lost my identity. And um, it wasn't until I was at a point where I really, you know, I had survived this horrific accident, but I didn't want to live anymore. But I was too afraid to die. And what kept me going is I got on my knees and I prayed. And by the grace of God, um, I had just enough courage, just that a little bit of flicker of light inside me to ask for help. And so if you're struggling, I I highly suggest that you ask for help. And and I'll say, you know what? The first person that I asked for help was like, yep, I'm going to help you. And I didn't hear back. And I had started drinking every day. So I went from being this person, was never a drinker. I was solely focused on my career and my family to drinking every day to try to numb out the pain. And I had become like a full blown alcoholic, which admitting that to yourself is hard. Admitting that to your husband, who's a lieutenant commander and who arrests people that get in his eyes that look like me. And by the way, it took skill to try to hide the fact that I was drinking when you live with a cop. But, you know, by the grace of God, I got sober in 2016 and it changed my life. But when I had reached out and didn't get help from the first person, I Googled recovery programs and I found a, um, a meeting that I could go to when my husband was at work and my daughter was in school. And it was the scariest thing I have ever scarier than any surgery, was admitting that I needed help, having the willingness to go out and find it, and then walking into a room of recovery, and I walked and I sat in the back of the room in between a nun and a cowgirl, and I thought, well, my gosh, if a nun can be an alcoholic, (laughs) then maybe so can I.
0: (laughs) This, the Catholics can be heavy drinkers That's how sometimes. That they <laughs> <Yes. laughs> A- Amberly, um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have you on the show to, uh, at some other point in the future too. Just because there's just so much to talk about with you, and we're just so so grateful for you sharing such an, and just an incredibly inspiring story. And uh, I know you and I have been connected on LinkedIn for a long time, and I've always found your energy just just tremendously um, empowering. And we're gonna be sure that we include all the all the your social links and links to your podcast when, when when we post this great episode. It's just thank you so much for sharing this wisdom and for sharing that story. And I know just hearing this is going to, you know, for people listening and watching this show, um, I know this is going to be positively impacting people's lives and leaving a positive uh, energy impression on people's souls. So thank you so much for for sharing this. And when I am in Dallas, if it's okay, I'm going to take a selfie with that $62,000 wind chime. Um, Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I hope to see you. Y'all come see me and and Dallas, make sure you wear your cowboy hat though, oh, I, that I, lucky I will, hat. I'll,
0: I'll apologize for the smell in advance, but uh, uh, thank you so much, <laughs> uh, Amberly, for joining us on the podcast today. This was just wonderful. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank y'all so much. You. And I'll see you soon.
0: Christian and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. Why managed service providers love the system hardening platform Cention. It saves time and resources by automating critical functions for system hardening. It provides an efficient and effective way to reduce vulnerabilities in your organization. It mitigates attacker movement and privilege escalation techniques and further prevents cyber attacks from happening in your organization. Now, here's an exclusive for Cybersecurity Matters listeners. Sention has a free offering of their cross compliance database to get started today. A link will be provided in the podcast description. Sention will simplify your security management journey. Well, that was certainly one of the more, uh, inspirational episodes that we've had on the podcast. I um, mean, just, just hung on Amberly's every word. I mean, what a harrowing story and just, um, just like you know, she said, the, the true grit and grace of being able to overcome something like that. I think that's incredibly, incredibly inspirational. I mean, for, for everyone, both you and I, and, and for our listeners, hundred percent low odds of uh, 1% chance of, uh, recovering her, her limb, which is amazing. And she hung on to that 1%, uh, the thing for me too is getting that out of that pit. Like I would not have made it probably. <laughs> I feel like very weak in comparison, but uh, what did she say? Um, having a purpose pulls you out of self pity yeah. and, uh, and Awful. despair. She was giving to the people around her and that, I have no excuse anymore. No, it was extremely powerful, probably one of the more powerful episodes we, we've had. And it's funny when she mentioned that one percent, I was the only thing I could think of was uh, Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber when he said, "So you're, so you're, you're saying there's, there's a, a chance? chance. Yeah, <laughs> there's always a chance." And we w- we want to thank Amberly uh, uh, for taking time out of her busy schedule to join us on the podcast today. And as always, want to extend a special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. If you did happen to miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page or listen to old episodes on your preferred podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again next time on the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast.